What's going on everybody? My name is Kyle O'Grady and in 2018 I hiked every single mile of the Appalachian Trail and you are listening to Trail Tales, the podcast where I chat with other thru-hikers, peak baggers, and hiking nerds just like me about their experiences on the trail. Honestly, I am so excited for today's episode. Jennifer Mabus, otherwise known as the Whimsical Woman on social media and YouTube, joins me and we chat all about her experience before, during, and after through hiking the Pacific Crest Trail this past summer. I tried to pick her brain a little bit about her vlog and how she made it so successful. We talk about our similar circumstances after getting back from our through hikes and at the end she shares a crazy, crazy story about how she was stalked by a mountain lion. Oh man, I'm so glad we don't have those things here on the East Coast. No thanks, Jennifer, when you hear this, I'm not sure if you remember me thanking you a thousand times before, during, and after the recording, but in case you don't, thank you so, so much once again. I had so much fun with this one, and the fact that Jennifer was willing to come on this small podcast that nobody has really ever heard of and chat with a goof like me was just super, super awesome of her. And I just want to say it never would have happened if somebody hadn't recommended her when I posted a poll on my Instagram story. So for those of you who listen to the show every single Tuesday, please let me know who you want to see in the future for future episodes because you never know who might be down. We're going to get into our conversation in just a moment. But first, I want to say that if this is your first time listening to Trail Tales, first of all, I hope you enjoy it. And second of all, if you do... Please go follow the show on social media. My Instagram is at TrailTalesPod, and my Twitter is the same handle, at TrailTalesPod. I've only been doing this podcast for a couple months. I'm definitely a beginner, and I'm really just trying my best to get it out there to as many people as I possibly can. So please, if you like what you hear, give me a follow and let me know what you think of the episode and the show. Okay, when I do these introductions normally, I usually ramble for another minute about leaving an iTunes review and emailing me and Patreon and all this stuff, but we're just going to get into it. Screw it. Let's do it. Episode number 18 with Jennifer Mabus, trail name Starburst, PCT class of 2018. Doing it. Episode number 18. I'm here with Jennifer Mavis, trail name Starburst, also known as the Whimsical Woman on YouTube and social media. I'm really, really excited for this one. I apologize if I get kind of uppity. I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm so stoked. Jennifer, thank you so, so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. Of course. Of course. So, I'm guessing a lot of you are familiar with Jennifer hearing this, but in case you aren't, Jennifer through-hiked the PCT this past summer. She posted, I think it was, what, a YouTube video for pretty much every day, right? Yeah, just about. <laughs> Which is awesome. We're going to talk all about that in a little bit. So, uh, oh, I don't even I don't even know what to say. I usually nail these introductions, but I'm just so excited. Let's jump into it. Let's do it. <laughs> so, Jennifer, my first question, I like to ask pretty much all my guests this, just to get a feel for kind of how they discovered backpacking and through-hiking. So, how did you first learn about long distance backpacking and uh, through hiking specifically? It actually didn't uh, come to me until a couple years ago. Um, I've always really been into hiking and the outdoors. I grew up in Reno, Nevada, so right next to Lake Tahoe. 
So I was, you know, in the mountains there pretty frequently. Then I lived in Hawaii for a few years. Oh, nice. Yeah. So the hiking there is phenomenal, as everyone either knows personally or can imagine. And then I moved up to Seattle and the Pacific Northwest has some of the best hiking and backpacking. And, um, but it wasn't until actually through social media that I found out really about long distance hiking. I knew about the Appalachian Trail um, a few years ago, but it wasn't something that I thought that I would ever do or could possibly do. But through like Instagram, I started following people on accident who were through hiking the Pacific Crest Trail in 2017. And I just pretty much immediately knew that's something that I wanted to do. So you didn't actually learn about the PCT until like the year before you went out and did it? Well, I've I've heard about it. I don't remember where I heard about it from. I read the book Wild and I saw the movie. That's not where my inspiration came from. But it was just somehow common knowledge to me um, within the past, I don't know, three or four years. But it wasn't something that I ever thought that I would do myself until I started following other people who were basically kind of just like me in 2017. Okay, cool. So you kind of said that as soon as you like learned about it, that you were like interested and you knew it was something that you wanted to do. Can you just kind of talk a little bit about that? Like, I don't know, like what was going through your head? Like, because I feel like that's not really necessarily a natural reaction for a lot of people to like hear about this crazy adventure and be like, oh yeah, I'm just, I got to do that, obviously. Can you just kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah, of course. Uh, Yeah, I'm kind of sporadic in that way. Um, I get these ideas in my head and pretty much immediately go for them. I think it's because if I don't do that, then I will talk myself out of it. (laughs) So what happened was I already loved hiking. I was an ambassador for this large hiking group and I would lead hikes and backpacking trips with other women. And so it was something that I really enjoyed. But the idea of just being able to live on the trail for months at a time was like a complete fantasy to me. And so when I was following people around my age who quit their jobs and sold everything, I really had to ask myself, like, why couldn't I do that as well? You know, I have a full-time job and I have rent and a car payment and all of these things. And so at first I really thought that was just like a dream that would never happen or maybe later on in life. But then I just could not stop thinking about the trail and what it would feel like to be on the trail, living on the trail. And um, that's when I just kind of woke up one day and I was like, why can't I do it? And then I immediately, I mean, this was maybe like, I don't remember exactly, but maybe this was going on in my head for like two weeks. And so I just walked into work one day asked uh, my boss if we could have like some quiet time and like, (laughs) you know, like, hey, I have to tell you something. And so I just asked him like, hey, this is something I'm interested in doing. Is this possible? And he said, yes. Wow, that's awesome. Anyway, it was just really like sporadic and just impulsive, but it was amazing. That's so awesome that your boss was willing to just let you take that time off. I kind of had a similar circumstance except a little bit different because I was still in college and I had interned at this company uh, in the summer of 2017 and they wanted me to come back full time after I graduated. I still had to finish my senior year afterwards. And I told them, you know, I really would like to come back, but 
I've been planning this Appalachian Trail thing for a while, and I'm going to do it regardless, so you guys can either kind of wait for me, or, you know, I'll find something else, and they were nice enough to kind of wait for me as well. I don't know if it would have been the same if I was already working and kind of already established there, um, full-time at least, but I don't know. It just goes to show you there's still some good managers and bosses out there. Like, it's not all just bad in the whole corporate life yeah, kind of thing. <laughs> I agree, and a lot of people ask me, like, how did you get the time off and I just tell people you have to ask so many people just think they're going to get no for an answer and maybe some bosses will say no but I think people have to give some of their supervisors some credit um, and so my my main piece of advice to people about that is to just ask yeah like just go ask you never know what they're going to say Right. And if they don't say yes and you still want it bad enough, you know, I feel like you can make it work. Okay. So why don't we, okay. okay. First of all, so the way I kind of want to structure this conversation is we're going to talk a little bit about your pre-hike preparation, I guess. Then we're going to talk about the actual hike itself. I've got a couple questions that were submitted on Instagram actually about that. Thank you to everybody who, who sent me some questions there. And then we're going to talk a little bit about kind of the post-hike adjustment. You know, I, I know we kind of dipped into the whole job talk a little bit already, but we're going to do a little bit more of that afterwards. So why don't we talk a little bit about like the pre-through-hike kind of situation. So this was actually a question that I got on Instagram, and it's something that I haven't really covered a lot on previous episodes. So I think it's a good question. What did you do to kind of prepare yourself uh, mentally before you left for your through hike? All right. So I actually started reading a book uh, called PC uh, Pacific Crest Trials. It's written by Zach Davis. He runs the Trek and Backpacker Radio, if you're familiar. Yep. So he wrote a, bo a book about how to mentally prepare for a through hike. And I started reading that. And one of the main things was to write some lists out. And these lists would be like, um, how would I feel about myself if I finished the through hike? And so I actually wrote down and tried to imagine myself completing the through hike and what I would feel like. And then, you know, wrote down, okay, what would I feel like if I quit the trail? And so those thinking about those kinds of emotions and feelings was really strong for me because, yeah. you know, I mean, if I quit, and it wasn't due to injury, I would probably feel a lot of shame or disappointment. Um, I would probably regret it later on, et cetera. And so when times got really tough on trail, uh, those thoughts really helped me continue on because there were many times that I wanted to quit, but I remembered writing those lists. Yeah. So that was pretty much the main thing that I did to prepare mentally. Um, I also tried to make sure I understood like, I needed to be flexible and be able to adapt in any situation if I got hurt and had to get off trail to not let not let that be the end of the world. So I really just tried to make sure that my heart and my head was like in the right place when I started. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I actually did the same thing as I imagine a lot of other through hikers these days are doing. I read Appalachian Trials, not Pacific Crest Trials, but yes. it's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> Uh, pretty much the same content. I actually read both, but um, <laughs> kind of gearing it towards oh, the Appalachian Trail. 
And um, I did the same thing. I did the lists. I'm I'm assuming a lot of people listening to this are familiar with the trek and familiar with Zach Davis. But if you aren't and you are planning on doing a through hike, if there's some possible way that you haven't heard this piece of advice already, definitely either read Pacific Crest Trials or Appalachian Trials. That shit is awesome. I love it. And so, yeah, about those lists, I actually did the lists as well. And just something that kind of popped into my head there when you said that. I know for me, I wrote the lists and I actually took pictures on my phone so that I could like go back and, and read them while I was on the trail. Cause that's something that Zach recommends you do um, when you're actually on the trail. Did you ever go back and actually look at your lists when you were on trail? I know you said you thought about it, but I know for me, I don't think I actually ever went back and looked at the list for some reason. I didn't. Yeah. I just, you know, thought about them. I had it like ingrained in my brain, <laughs> which is I mean, I feel like that's the main purpose of that anyway, so it still works right. out, but yeah, I don't know. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, so while I was thinking of some, some more questions uh, earlier today, I had just gotten back from a run. I'm trying to like get myself in shape a little bit for a hike I'm doing at the end of April, and honestly, I'm just getting back into it. This is only the second day that I've ran, and... <laughs> I'm not oh, feeling gosh. too good. Yeah, my I left don't like foot. Running. Yeah, my left foot's not feeling too good. Um, and it kind of got me thinking back on some of the preparation I did before I set out for the AT, the the physical preparation that is. Um, so I'm just kind of curious. Did you prepare physically at all before you went out on your thru hike? I started to. Yes, I was just doing like a basic cardio and weightlifting, you know, program. Uh, but then I actually went in for surgery exactly two months before I started my PCT hike and uh, the doctors thought I had a tumor in my back in my uh, lower back and oh, they geez. put me under and went to go remove the tumor and apparently it wasn't a tumor um, my muscle fascia had ripped open and I had a hernia oh no yeah a lot of people think I I mean I had a herniated disc but no I had an actual hernia in my lower back and so my rip my muscle was ripped open and so they had a you know, sew that back up. And so that was, they gave me about uh, eight to 12 weeks recovery, but I was starting my hike in eight weeks. Oh. So <laughs> my next two months uh, of physical preparation was lying in bed and eating a lot. <laughs> so um, I could definitely feel it when I started trail. But um, yeah, I wish I could have just kept working out. It would have made the beginning of my hike a lot easier, yeah. but that wasn't my situation. So I just dealt with it. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. Do you have any like specific advice, I guess, for people on what they can do to prepare physically? I mean, I feel like it's pretty straightforward. All I did was run maybe like uh, 10 miles a week, if that, and then just did like some leg exercises and stuff. I don't know. I feel like there's probably not much more beyond that, but I don't know. What do you, yeah. do you, what do you think about that? Well, first of all, I would never recommend running because I hate it so much. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, yeah, I think just trying to be in at least decent shape as possible. I think people go on trail who are overweight and people go on trail who are fit and both can make it to the end. Oh, yeah. You oh, know, yeah. Some, some, even the fit people may quit at some point. And so I just think it's easier on your body if you if, if you have some weight to lose to so just try to lose some of it because you're, you have to carry that up mountains, you know, and so... Um, and it, your joints will love you more. Um, I got more in shape, obviously, as I, as I kept hiking. And um, I tried to start off slow and build up my mileage and my body got used to it. And so 
I think mainly making sure you're in the mental headspace is more will make you more successful. I I would agree. Yeah, I mean, just trying to work out and be as active as possible. Maybe go do the stair climber at the gym, pack on and walk around. I think that's the most beneficial yeah, physical for sure. aspect. So now that we've kind of talked a little bit about like the pre-thru-hike preparation stuff a little bit, I kind of want to transition into some topics about when you were actually on trail. So this is a question, another question I got from Instagram, and I think it's a good one, something I haven't really thought about too much. So what were some of the hardest adjustments that you had to make once you like got on trail? I'm talking like right at the beginning, you know, while you're kind of still adjusting, like what were some of the things you were missing or I, I don't know, can you just kind of talk about that a little bit? Of course, that's actually a really good question. Um, this may be obvious to some people, but the first thing that comes to my mind is getting in a, a completely new routine. That was, I think, the hardest. I mean, you hear about this from other hikers that setting up camp and then taking camp down always seems to take longer in the beginning. And then once you get good at your routine, you can be really quick at it. So everything, even though I've backpacked before, this was my first time backpacking with my whole new gear setup. And um, yeah, it was just, you know, getting familiar with, you know, my routine and how I actually wanted to live my life for the right. next five months or so. So that was the most probably awkward uh, transition and then trying to figure out like what order to do things and how efficiently I can make them. Right, right. I know for me, one of the things that I like definitely had to adjust to, I guess, was the diet. Now, I'd done a pretty good amount of backpacking before I set out to do the AT. I, no, nothing as long as the AT, but I, I probably had close to a thousand miles under my belt. And I was used to eating the shitty, like, fucking Northsides and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. But I think maybe because I had started to eat a little bit better, like, actually at home, you know, my last couple of years of college, that going back to that diet was a lot harder than it was when I had gone on previous trips in the past. So, I don't know, that's one thing that comes to mind for me, for sure. Did you have any trouble, like, adjusting to, like, the, the food at all or anything like that? Well, um, I'm not a picky eater at all, but I actually didn't bring a stove the whole time. So I just ate a lot of uh, like protein bars and tortillas and cheese and meat. And so um, I don't know. I was fine with it. <laughs> it was different, but I'm, I feel like I'm pretty good at like adapting and I'm not picky. So I'm pretty chill with anything like that. Okay. It was for me, it was mainly the routine of and figuring out the, the right order to do things for me. That was my, I think, biggest like awkward struggle yeah, in the beginning. Yeah. How long do you think it took you roughly to like kind of get adjusted to that? Um, to be honest, it was probably about a month because, uh, especially on the Pacific Crest Trail, there's a lot of towns in the beginning of trail, and so I would hike for a bit and then you know take several days off in a town, and then every few days I'd be in a town. Right. So it wasn't until like probably about a month or so that I actually was you know, hiking pretty consistently Okay. that okay. I was getting into the routine. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I feel like it was, it was pretty different for me, honestly, because just like I had said, I was pretty used to the routine already. I pretty much had all the same gear on the AT that I had used for like the last couple of years. So I was kind of used to that, but I mean, just, <laughs> just kind of coming to terms with the fact that I was about to hike 
2,000 like miles, which is just ridiculous at the oh, beginning. Yeah. That was definitely like a pretty obvious adjustment I had to make too. Uh, this kind of is kind of on my mind because I had posted about it posted about it on my Instagram today. How were you feeling at the beginning those first couple days, or even that first like day, like when you're standing on the Mexican border? Uh, were you like nervous? Were you scared? Like how were you feeling then? Oh my goodness, I was about to burst with so much emotion. I could not believe that I was actually doing that, um, because <laughs> like I said, I had just made this decision on a whim, basically. Right, right. And then I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm actually doing this. Like, this is my life. Um, I was so excited. I was so nervous. Um, I was just feeling so much elation. It was nuts to me. I felt like I was in a dream. I don't know. It was crazy. It was one of those really surreal moments. I don't get a lot of those deep, surreal moments in life, but that was definitely one of them. Yeah. How did you feel? Okay, so let's take even a step back further. How did you feel before you actually started so i'm talking maybe like a month to like a week ish or even a couple days before you know you actually got down to the border in campo i believe down there um how are you feeling then because this is something i always like to ask people who have done through hikes in the past because i feel like for me i didn't really think about the trail like a ton until like honestly it didn't really hit me that like i was about to do this thing that i'd been like dreaming of doing for so long until literally the morning I started is when it kind of hit me. And before that I was kind of excited. (laughs) Like I was ready to go. Like I was prepared, but I wasn't like, it hadn't really settled in yet. I don't know. How were you feeling those days and weeks kind of leading up to your hike? Oh, that's funny. I actually read your post about that today. And I was like, yeah, I, that's not how I felt. (laughs) So I was so excited to start. Like I just wanted my start date to come. It was like, so painfully slow my start date approaching I just Mm. wanted to get on the trail so bad but then a week before I started I you know left Seattle and drove down uh, to Reno Nevada with my family and that's where I spent my week before I started okay and I actually started to dread it and I was sitting there and I was like yeah it was very weird um it was like I think I was realizing how much effort this was going to take. You know, I had my gear. I had to get some last minute things, but I was still so confused about my food because I didn't send myself any resupply boxes. Uh, And so I just was like, what am I doing? This is stressing me (laughs) out. I could be in Europe with my six months off. I have all this money saved up. Like, what am I doing right now? Like, I actually was like, this is a mistake. So I actually had some of those negative thoughts. Yeah. But knowing me, I'm like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Like, I'm very like, once I make a commitment or a goal, I'm going for it. And so I was not really excited. I was like, this is not a good idea. This is this is a dumb idea. <laughs> this is one of my very dumb ideas. But then going back to me stepping foot on the trail, I was like, this is it. Like, I've seen pictures of this monument. You know, I like I've imagined myself here so many times. Right, right. And then from that m- moment on, I I never regretted it. Okay, that's it. Was that's... weird. I went, yeah, I went through a lot of emotion. <laughs> As I'm pretty sure most people do, kind of at the start and leading up to the through hikes. I mean, for me, it was a little bit of a different situation too because I literally 
was on top of Springer Mountain two days after I walked on stage and received my college diploma. So I had so much stuff going on right before oh, yeah. I left, like kind of finishing up finals and graduating and all that stuff. So I, oh, yeah. I, I was kind of focused on that. I, I'm sure if I was just kind of working or had a little bit of time off before I started, it would have been a lot different. So yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of wondering how it would be as somebody who's already done a through hike, like starting another through hike, for those of you listening that have done like more than one through hike, definitely send me an email or something and let me know about that. Cause I'm, I'm kind of curious about that. Like, are yeah. you as nervous the second time around? I don't know. That's the good thing. Let me know too. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So this is another Instagram question. It was great. Instagram did most of my work for me for this episode. <laughs> so what short-term goals did you have to kind of keep your motivation up uh, while you were hiking? I mean, obviously your like your long-term goal is to like finish the trail, but I don't know. Did right. you like kind of break it down at all? Did you have some shorter term goals like that? So I was really stubborn about making it to Canada, but I actually tried to get rid of that mentality a lot um, or push it like deep down inside of my brain because that's such a huge feat to think about, yeah. you know, especially when you're spending like three months in just California much different than the AT when you're just like crossing state lines. Yeah. Often. yeah. It, it's, it's a, that's one of the biggest hurdles that I had to overcome. And actually a lot of people have to overcome is how long it takes to get through California. So what I had to start doing was just making it to the next town. And then that's all I would think about was, all right, you just have to walk, you know, 120 miles to this town. And then you can think about everything that comes after that. Right. Right. And so that for me, that was, that was all I really was thinking about was not looking ahead, like too far ahead, just, okay, my next town is this many miles, this many days of hiking. That's all I'm going to think about. Yeah. I, I think that's pretty similar to what I did as well. Of course. I mean, I had the state lines to cross, you know, some, depending on where you are more off the, you cross them more often than other parts of the trail, but yeah, really taking it town to town is definitely the thing that I think helps the most. I don't know. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about your vlog now. <laughs> this is like something that's like so obvious. I mean, because that's how most people know you. They know you from YouTube and the social media thing. Um, not That's not how I found out about you. I found out about you when someone recommended you for the show, but I mean, that's how most Thank people... you, whoever did that. <laughs> yes, yes, seriously, because we wouldn't have gotten in contact otherwise, and this never would have happened. But let's talk about the vlog a little bit. So we kind of chatted about this last night, and I'm sure you've answered before some of the questions like, oh, like, what camera did you use? Like, how did you edit? Like, how did you upload and that stuff? And honestly, I'm not really as curious about that stuff. But as an aspiring content creator, you know, a different medium, but still content nonetheless, trying to reach an audience, I guess, I do have a lot of questions about this. So the first, I guess, pretty much the most obvious question about this is why did you decide to share this journey, this walk across the United States? I guess it's not across, this walk up the United States uh, with the world. Why did you decide to do this vlog? Okay, so uh, yeah, I've gotten this question a lot and it's actually changed as it was happening. Uh, I used to write a blog that was anonymous. There was something very therapeutic about it for me of writing out my thoughts and then putting it out to the world. Um, but then I created the whole, the whimsical woman 
thing because I was like, you know what? I want to continue to blog, but I want my name attached to it. And when I decided to actually make like videos of my hike, it was only for me. Um, I had my YouTube had like one subscriber and it was my nephew (laughs) who was 10, who was like 10 years old at the time. And so it was, it, it wasn't (laughs) meant for anything. I started posting like little videos that are not good at all from like some of my travels to like Israel and Iceland and things like that. I didn't share them with anyone. There was just something really cool about me, like making some memories and putting them in a video right, right. and then posting it, even though I wasn't sharing it with anyone. Like I said, I had like one subscriber. Yeah, okay? yeah. Um, and then I don't know. I just think there's something really vulnerable about putting yourself out there. So when I decided to make these videos, it was just for me. And then my parents, of course, were extremely worried about me doing this. My mom, <laughs> especially. And so then it became something where I'm like, well, you know what? Doing these almost every day will be really great for my family, especially my mom, to sit and be able to watch her daughter doing something like this as if they're doing it with me. Right. And so that's why I so that's why I started making all my videos. Uh, They're almost daily videos and you see a lot of my thoughts. I ramble a lot, but you see a lot of scenery. I try to show as many people as possible. I'm trying to get as much of the trail in as possible. You know, I mean, they're only 10 minutes, 15 minutes, sometimes 20 minutes long in a 24-hour day. But I felt like I didn't see any vlogs before that really encompassed the whole trail. Okay, interesting. So, I, I mean, I know they have to be out there, but I was following a lot of trail videos that were highly edited. They were amazing videos, extremely entertaining but for me, it didn't give me really like the feeling like I was actually on the trail with them. So I started making these videos with my mom in mind. Like, you know, what would my mom like to see? Oh, okay. And then um, that's why, I mean, you see me crying. You see me scared. I'm showing all of my stupid mistakes that the internet trolls love to like get me <laughs> on. But I'm doing that on purpose. I mean, I'm trying to show what I was going through and be as honest as possible. And then from there, it just, a lot of people felt encouraged and connected and related with me. And so then it just gave me more motivation to keep posting the same kind of content that I was because other people were feeling connected to it. Right, right. So you, you I think you kind of answered this, but I kind of want to get a little bit more out of you. This, this next question Um so you mentioned that, you know, you started off only doing it for you and that makes a lot of sense. I feel like that's how a lot of, of vloggers or anybody who shares things on social media um, kind of starts off. But I mean, you made a video for pretty much every single day. Why did you decide to kind of go all in on that, even though you were really only doing it for yourself and your family versus just, I don't know, like posting a video a week or just even posting some pictures on Instagram and Facebook to share with people. Why did you decide to go so hard with the daily videos, I guess? Yeah. So if you know me personally, I wing almost everything. And so, uh, I didn't have any plan of how I was going to do videos when I was on the trail. And I think even before I left, I was telling like social media, like, yeah, I have no idea how this is going to (laughs) go. But, uh, my first day on trail, I felt like probably because I was so excited. I was filming everything. I had so many things to say. And like I said, there was just like video shots of everything. And 
And then same with the second day and the third day. And I was like, look, I need to make like if this was one video, this is going to be like an hour long. Yeah. And so I started to break them up into individual days and then they were still fairly long videos. Um, And that's basically how I started doing the daily thing, because I actually told myself I did not want to do that because I was like, people get bored with that. But then I was like, you know what? I don't, this isn't for other people. Yeah. This is why I want to do. And like I said, I was like, it actually seems pretty cool. So like my mom and my sister and niece and nephew can sit behind a computer, watch me and see what I did every day. And so then um, that's how that started. There are some days when um, I had a group, group days together just because maybe there wasn't that much to see or it was pouring rain and I barely brought my phone out. Things like that. Um, but yeah, I, I actually really am glad that I did the the daily videos. Do you ever, um, or I guess I'm sure you do, how often, or I guess I, I guess I shouldn't assume that. Do you ever go back and watch your videos like while you're at work or just like have some time off or whatever and kind of reminisce about that since you filmed so, so much of your hike? Oh, absolutely not. No. No. <laughs> uh, um, even when I was like editing my videos, I'm just like cringing at my voice sometimes oh, okay. or like I'm glad I'm not the only one because I'm the same way with these podcasts <laughs> I have a hard time listening to them <laughs> oh gosh yeah so it was just even my mannerisms are so goofy and I'm like cringing and then I have to be like take a step back and be like no this is who you are you know like this is who you are just accept it uh no I don't I don't watch them <laughs> That's no. so... I maybe, wonder... maybe I will <laughs> I was gonna say I wonder if that will change as more time passes and you kind of get a little nostalgic about it or something yeah there's certain there's certain ones that I would probably rewatch again like my first day even though like my first day I'm uh, you know completely clueless about what's going on <laughs> like um I, I I laugh about this now but um you know I had washed my face completely. I had no makeup on, but I had remnants of eyeliner and mascara. And that <laughs> happens. All, all women know, like, you can wash your face and there's still remnants. Um, and I just laugh because it looks like I'm wearing mascara on my first day. I did not put that on, everybody. But it's just those <laughs> kinds of things that, you you know, you see and you're just like, oh, my goodness. So I'll probably go back and watch that just to remember how I felt. Um, and then there was a day that I did, you know, like 40 miles and I, I filmed that whole progress. And so so that video sticks out in my mind. And then, of course, my last day yeah, yeah. on trail. So those are the ones I would probably go back and watch. Oh, and my summiting Mount Whitney. That was a good one, too. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it, it is just so cool that you, like, have all that stuff to look back on. I've got, like, a Google Drive with all my, like, pictures from, like, 2012 until now. Like, ever since I started hiking and I definitely yeah. like to go back and like look through that stuff sometimes. It makes me like a little bit sad sometimes, but also yeah. like excited <laughs> and nostalgic. I don't know. It's definitely kind of an emotional thing. So very bittersweet. Oh yeah, I've got a feeling that as time goes on, you're gonna start to look back on that stuff a little bit more. I think so. I hope so. At least that's <laughs> what it's there for. Absolutely. So another question I have about this. And again, I think you kind of answered it a little bit in one of your previous responses, but I'm trying to phrase this right so I don't like kind of talk badly about like other people who vlog. So my question is, why do you think <laughs> that your vlog did so well? And again, that's not to imply that like your vlog is like 
like objectively better than any other vlog out oh, there. Oh, absolutely not. It's I'm, not. <laughs> I'm sure that most people that, that do the vlogs do it for similar reasons. You, you kind of talked about, you know, doing it for themselves and their, their family and stuff. But okay, so, so yeah, why do you think that your vlog kind of did so well starting from zero and kind of ending with a pretty established, uh, enthusiastic audience? Um, I guess I'll base that off of some comments I've received from YouTube. Uh, a lot of people said in the beginning that they didn't think I was going to make it. Wait, I they, would, they, you know, they, oh, wow. That's that's brutal, man. Why? <laughs> oh, yeah. YouTube, uh, Internet trolls, uh, especially YouTube. People get on there. Um, I don't it doesn't phase me anymore. See, that's funny because I have been like asking my listeners since the beginning of this podcast to like talk shit to me. Like I want the hate. <laughs> maybe because oh, I encourage man. it, people don't give it to me, or maybe because no one really fucking cares, but I don't know. No, that's funny. That's sorry, good. sorry, continue. That's no, that's okay. Um a lot of people would just, you know, say that I'm dumb or I don't know what I'm doing or I'm not gonna make it or I'm not tough enough and blah blah blah. And um but like you know, people don't actually know me and I'm extremely stubborn and determined and um, I wasn't doing it for anybody else. I was doing it for myself, but I wasn't going to quit. And like I said, unless there was some injury, I was not quitting. It did not matter. Um, and I didn't really say that because I'm just more of a, I'm a shower, not a talker kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just, just going to do it. So I think it just gained popularity because I was what people said, maybe like an underdog, like, you know, I, I don't really know. I was just being myself. And I think, uh, like I said, I didn't see a lot of trail videos that were super like emotionally raw and just being open about mistakes they made. And so I just kept it really real. And the few people that do follow me, I think resonated with that. Like, you know, I, I made some dumb mistakes or certain mishaps happened. And the fact that I showed them opened me up for critiques from other people yeah. and telling me what I'm doing wrong. But I'm like, yo, I already know what I'm doing wrong. This was like weeks ago. You know, my videos were delayed. So I'm just kind of like, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> but just the fact that I think I kept it real and just try to show people what through hiking really looks like. Because it's not always amazing. Absolutely not. And right. so maybe that's why I don't really know. I just, like I said, just try to just try to be honest with what was going on and, um, I think people liked that. No, yeah, for sure. You know, that's that's something that I've kind of tried to do with this podcast is just like kind of open up to the public the kind of conversations that might go on between two experienced hikers. And I think though my audience is certainly a lot smaller than yours. I think people have kind of resonated with it for that same reason. I've gotten a lot of comments about how they like that it's just kind of casual and kind of I don't know chill and don't really give a fuck. So I uh, exactly. I think just being you, just like. Be who you are. Like, don't try to impress other people. I'm never going to be extremely, like, popular, famous. That's not what I'm going for anyway. But it's just, if you just be you, people can, like, sense, like, if you're being genuine, I think. And Absolutely. I, I think that's the big, the, the big thing these days. It's, especially in social media, it's so hard to sometimes find people who have, like, genuine motives. Yeah. But. Yeah, for sure. I think it's especially kind of true with the type of content that comes when you're doing a through hike too because it is such like a raw like emotional kind of thing and I, I i i definitely know where you're coming from there and um yeah all right great transition kyle <laughs> so good job kyle <laughs> i'm killing it i'm killing it no <laughs> you're doing great so besides the obvious things like taking the time to edit and film and and upload and do all that stuff 
how did the vlog kind of affect your hike like in a uh, whole i guess uh of course there's like positives and negatives uh the vlog i think actually overall made my hike better um, because it allowed me to connect with people and uh essentially inspire other people to go out and hike like I was inspired from other people sharing their content in 2017. The part that made it a little daunting was how long it took to edit and upload. Uh, there's not a lot of service or good service on trail. And even in some towns, there's not a lot of good service, like I said. Or so a good internet take, connection. Yeah, I feel exactly. you Exactly. <laughs> and so sometimes it would take me like four hours to upload one video. And when I'm trying to get maybe or five videos upload edited and uploaded before I leave town so I can have videos being posted while I'm hiking that meant I had to stay in town for a day or two longer than I had planned and so I did take a lot of zeros and half of them were because I was uploading um, I didn't have a trail family and that was one of the reasons why was because I could never leave with other people. Oh, okay. Even if I wanted to. Um, I'm pretty like independent solo anyway. I wanted to hike on my own. Yeah. But that was a big thing where like I would be maybe hiking around groups for a week and then they'd be leaving town because they took their zero. They did what they needed. Um, and I had to stay behind because I was trying to upload videos. So that, that was hard. And so anybody who's wanting to create content on trail I personally edited everything and uploaded everything, and so you have to definitely weigh that with your options. You know, Dixie and Darwin, you know, the the big vloggers yep, in the yep. thru-hacking community, they have amazing videos. They are so entertaining. I can watch those things for days. But they're taking, like, video, and then they're sending it to someone else, and they're editing it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole different experience. So if you're going to self-edit – it does take a lot more work, but it was 100% worth it to me. Yeah, absolutely. So my next question, <laughs> this is kind of this is kind of a, a weird one, but so I is this from Twerk? This is not from Twerk. We are oh, not gonna God. we are not gonna get to that today, unfortunately. <laughs> maybe, maybe when we're done recording, because I don't think I actually got an answer to that yesterday. But no. Oh no, there's no. He just made that up. <laughs> there's no answer to that. <laughs> there's okay good we're gonna we're gonna have some people wondering what that is but let's have some mystery on episode 18 of trail tales That's right <laughs> so i met um, i'm sure you're familiar with ibtat the uh, at blogger or uh, vlogger from uh this past summer i actually don't know ibtat oh really okay wow well, i mean i was hiking too yeah that's you so know, true so, I, so maybe i've seen them but i i don't it's not familiar anyway so he was a another like pretty popular at vlogger this past summer and okay. um anyways i kind of ran into him like right in like the last like week of my hike and i i, I kind of feel weird about this or maybe i should i don't know i'm going to find out in a second based on your response but like the first thing i said to him which i don't know why i just like what popped in my head as soon as i saw him we were just in the middle of the woods just the two of us i was like Hey, you're the guy from YouTube. And I yeah. Felt, I, <laughs> yeah. I kind of felt like a dumbass after it. So anyways, my question is, how <laughs> often did you like get recognized by fans or followers of your vlog while you were hiking or like in town or anything like that? Uh, so basically it took maybe a couple weeks into the hike, but pretty much every single day. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it was consistent every day. And then sometimes there'd be one person or sometimes there'd be four people. Um, and, you know, it, it is a niche, right? And so especially if you're going oh, yeah. through trail towns, um, 
about half of my hitches I got were from people who followed me on YouTube. Wow. So I'd be standing usually alone with my thumb out and then people would drive, roll down the window and yell starburst or <laughs> something or the whimsical woman. And so, <laughs> so I mean, good. this is probably not like the right strategy, but I immediately felt safe getting in their vehicle <laughs> by doing that. Um, so yeah, a lot of hikers, um, PCD hikers, and also just a lot of section hikers or, you know, and it, it became a lot. It was just almost constant. And, and in my videos, uh, I always try to give some people shout outs. Like I'd be like, hey, Lydia from, you know, yeah, Red's yeah. Meadow. Nice to meet you. But um, yeah, it became it became very frequent. So <laughs> it's not weird to say, hey, you're from YouTube. I mean, that's usually people's response. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I just felt kind of bad because like instead of saying, hey, like I'm Kyle, like, like nice to meet right. you. Like we're both through hikers. Let's like talk about, I, I don't know. I, no, yeah, I mean, whatever. it's. Sorry, I beat Tad if you hear this. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, I'm he, was, he was super nice about it. Yeah. And I kind of picked his brain about it. Asking some of the similar questions I'm, I'm asking you right now uh, when awesome. we were at a, a hostel later, a couple days later, but that's cool. Um, so obviously you like I'm, I'm sure you enjoyed like meeting people who were following you obviously you really appreciate people following you and the support and everything um did it ever get like like did you ever like i i don't want to say get sick of it but like did it ever like kind of like negatively affect you at all you think uh, or affect your hike i guess uh no so in the beginning i did have to get used to people saying mean things or even people who put thumbs down on like youtube videos I do get quite a bit of those sometimes, um, and that was actually hard for me at first because I was like, I don't get why you're on my videos commenting mean things, but yet you you keep watching other videos and yeah, continuing right. to call, say mean things. I'm just like, leave me alone. Like, you don't watch my videos. Um, that was the only real negative time. I loved meeting people the rest of the time. So People were so encouraging and kind and giving that I felt honored to meet people who are actually following along with me. Okay, cool. But after trail, um, I mean, I have uh, like a Facebook, you know, page for my blog, Instagram, YouTube, and like my blog email. And so I, I get a lot of messages, like sometimes hundreds a day, depending. And wow. so keeping up with that, I, I had a mental, uh, I needed like a mental break from that about in November. And so I did take a huge social social media break and I didn't actually respond to anybody, didn't post anything. So, okay, so the last question I have about the whole like vlog thing, or the last one we're going to get to today anyways is did you ever feel any sort of pressure from the fact that there were like a good number of people following your hike? I mean, I just I, I know for me personally, just posting on like my Instagram every now and then while I was hiking just to my friends and stuff like even that like even putting it out there to them was like definitely a little bit of pressure and a little bit of a motivating factor I guess for me how did it feel like doing that except knowing that there's like a lot more people watching you I guess um I actually didn't feel much pressure I think I just kept going back to the fact that I wanted to do this for myself regardless and so that just helped my perspective on it I guess um I guess I, where I felt pressure would be was when like people would message me and I can't respond to everybody like okay, on interesting. YouTube or something so that was more of my guilt of like wanting to read everyone's messages and respond but I couldn't 
but for like editing and uploading videos, I didn't feel any pressure. Interesting. Okay, so you you actually felt more pressure from like trying to get back to like the people that were following you than actually yeah. like completing the hike or not completing the hike and having to you know kind of face these people. And, and not to say that like it would be that big of a deal like if you didn't finish or whatever. But no, you know, see that's just that's just like so interesting to me. I don't know because like I said. Like that was I, I talked about this on episode ten, I believe, with my friend uh, Pac Man. We just kind of talked a little bit about how like announcing to the world on social media that you're like doing this hike, and and then having them kind of not even having them hold it, hold you to it, but just kind of knowing that they know what you're doing and you'd have to kind of own up to it if you didn't make it was like a pretty big motivating factor for me and for my friend Pac Man. It sounded like from our conversation there. So yeah. I can definitely see that. I just, I just think I come from the perspective, like one, if you've never done a through hike before, you literally have no idea how hard this is. Like you can try to like understand, but I don't feel like people have the right to, to judge someone else's experience if they've never done it. Yeah. Two, if you've done a through hike before and you've completed it successfully or whatever, and someone chooses to quit, like, I feel like you should understand like that was the right decision for them. You know, like I knew people yeah. who quit, they were like, I'm actually extremely bored. Like, it wasn't that they physically or mentally couldn't do it. They just did not want to do it anymore. I just come from the mindset, like, I don't really care what people think. Like, this is my life. Like, I have to live my bo- my body and my mind every day. So I'm going to do what's best for me. And so I just don't really – I didn't really feel that pressure. No, that's that's good. And, and I guess that kind of makes sense. I guess the other thing that just kind of popped into my head there was I feel like it's maybe a little bit different when – it's like people that like I actually knew that were like kind of following me versus just kind of random people on the internet, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if that like kind of made any difference either. Yeah, I think the like I love when random people watch my videos, but when like a coworker or a personal friend was like, oh, I watched your video. I was like, oh, please don't do that. <laughs> oh, no, please. Less embarrassing. Please don't do that. <laughs> oh, so so yeah, maybe it's kind of similar. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> okay, that's... <laughs> I'm sure you're probably sick of answering vlog questions by now. No, so. I'm fine. Uh, hey, I got wine. I got wine. I'm good to go. Perfect, perfect. So let me switch over to page two. That's right. We're going through so That's much right. here. Page two. <laughs> no, so we're going to talk a little bit now about the post-trail adjustment. So this was one of the first things that kind of popped into my head as a potential good topic when I was watching your videos, especially your, your uh, post-trail video that you had posted, because it seems like we kind of came from pretty similar circumstances uh, after the trail, that is. So can you just kind of talk a little bit about the time that you spent, say, immediately after finishing up to when you started work? Yeah, of course. I finished my hike October 3rd, and I had a flight out of Vancouver, BC, October 4th. Um, and I was starting work October 9th. That's so, such a quick turnaround. You see, I had like a couple weeks at least, like two weeks. Oh, so yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah, I had a very quick turnaround and I was pushing it at the end, doing crazy miles. It was like the hardest part of my whole hike because I had to finish so that I could go back to work. And I even hiked through this huge snowstorm where most people got off trail. But my I had a flight October 4th. And so I was like, I have to do this. Got to do it. Yeah, I finished. Um, got to my hotel at like 1 a.m. or something crazy like that, and then had to fly out the next morning at like 9. 
So, and then flew back, flew to Reno, Nevada, spent some time with my family for a few days, try to like decompress. And then I drove from Reno, Nevada up to Seattle, got there at like 10 p.m., started work the next day. So it was like, I didn't have any time really to comprehend what just happened. Yeah, that's so crazy. So some hikers from 2018 and then even previous through hikers kept telling me like, that's probably the best thing to just go immediately back into work. I, for me, I don't think so. Um, It was actually pretty hard for me because the thing about through hiking and especially for me, because I did most of it alone, like I didn't have a trail family. I camped alone a lot, hiked alone pretty much the whole time. It went from me doing whatever I wanted, you know, whatever felt best to me to being thrown into a situation where now my energy was being used for other people, for work. And then now that I was back home, I had friends wanting to meet me for coffee or drinks or dinner, which was great. But it was like, I didn't have that much energy to give for everybody. And then I'm moving and trying to find a place to live. And I actually had a pretty hard time. It was way too much. And then I was working overtime at work and like sitting in a cube every day (laughs) versus doing 35 miles a day up mountains. It was really hard on my body and my mind. I wasn't releasing endorphins like I was before. And I struggled way more than I actually thought I was going to. See, that's like uh, that. So you kind of like jumped ahead to my next question unknowingly, obviously. But I mean, that's just (laughs) like. So that's what I was going to ask you was like, after like, you know, you got back, like how was those first couple of weeks at work? And like, it's my situation is like so similar, honestly, granted, I had a little bit more time off. I had like two weeks, like I said, before I started and I already had a place to live as well. I didn't have to worry about any of that. Other than that, it's pretty much exactly the same thing for me. Like, it's just so crazy going from like literally living in the woods and in the mountains and having no expectations from anybody, no responsibility really. To just yep. all of a sudden, people are literally, people are literally paying you to like do certain things. You like have to perform, right? So like, and my job's yeah. not even like super high stress. I don't know what your situation's like, but like, oh man, it's just, it's I don't even know. Like, it's it's so crazy, and that's not to come off as like ungrateful for my job because I'm I'm sure you feel the same way. Like, I'm very very grateful for my yeah. job and everything, but like it's it's hard. I guess kind of how did you feel? I know you kind of talked about it a little bit, but um, how did you, like, how were your first couple of weeks? Like, have you adjusted by now? Like, have like, yeah. <laughs> how did those first couple of weeks go? <laughs> um, I think the first couple of weeks were, were actually okay because I was kind of excited to be back. I was actually looking forward to the consistency, um, you know, through hiking so interesting because you're moving house every single day and it's new every single day. And I was like really pumped about having like a place to sleep every night without having to set up my tent and yeah. like a place to go to work and actually like have some normalcy. But then I think my high from finishing the trail wore off actually a few weeks later. And that's when it became really, actually really difficult for me. Like I said, I was working overtime at work, not working out, not feeling the best about like you know, my whole situation. I was like, this kind of sucks. And now I'm paying bills again and having to pay rent. And it was actually uh, really, really hard, to be honest. It really was. And um, I feel like I'm 
more adjusted now, definitely, but it's still something that makes me kind of sad, to be honest. Yeah. No, me too. Like, I, my first week at work, I, like, had, like, a quarter-life crisis, I'm pretty sure, because, yeah. like, <laughs> like I said, like, you go from living in the woods into the fucking cubicle, <laughs> and, oh my like, gosh. it's just, yeah. it's kind of sad, and again, I'm very grateful for my, for my job, but, like, it was my first two weeks were really tough. So that does kind of sound like it's a little bit different than you. I feel like after those first two weeks uh, at my job, that is, I kind of adjusted a little bit better, but I, I, maybe too, because after two weeks, I got a paycheck that probably helped a little bit too. Cause after oh, yeah. not working for four and a half months, I was like definitely pretty broke, but I yeah. don't know. <laughs> um, I just think like people came into my office and just dropped like 10 massive folders worth of like paperwork on my desk and they're like have fun and I just remember thinking like what am I doing here like what's the point of all of yeah. this like I became a really deep thinker I was like what is the point of all <laughs> of this uh but I like same. I appreciate my job uh, it's allowed me to live a lifestyle that I enjoy it gave me six months off of work to go do this um, so I really appreciate it but I definitely had to get used to it for sure still still i'm trying i'm pretty busy i travel a lot and i've been gone so i I, i'm starting to feel more normal now but it definitely took me it wasn't just work it was also unfortunately to say like my friends and my family i got really good at saying no I'm, i'm a yes woman a lot of the time and a lot of people wanted to meet me for drinks and dinner. Like, I, I didn't have time for all of this, let alone the actual, like, mental yeah, capacity yeah. to handle all of it. I was way too overstimulated in that aspect. So I learned to say no. I learned my boundaries. I learned to say, like, I want to do this, but I can't do this right now. We'll do this in, like, two weeks or something. And so I think that really helped me um, heal with, like, adjusting from post-trail. Yeah, okay. No, that 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 makes a lot of sense for sure. So my last question kind of on this like post trail topic is about, I I guess, just kind of like the lifestyle that you and I live, you know, working like the nine to five thing, because it's definitely not like, uh, how do I phrase this? A a lot of people who do through hex like this don't necessarily live that same lifestyle. So a lot of people are photographers, like you kind of mentioned last night. A lot of people do seasonal work and then hike, you know, when they have time off, you know, they're not necessarily doing like the nine to five kind of grind thing. So my question is either during your hike or since you got back from your hike, your work's not going to hear this. Don't worry. No one cares about trail tales. (laughs) Have you ever considered (laughs) maybe adapting to a different lifestyle like that? Maybe the seasonal thing or or something like that? No, Uh, I'm a mechanical engineer and, um, so it's much different than the through hiker photographer kind of aspect. Yeah. And I really enjoy that part. Um, I feel like I'm doing my little teeny tiny part for, I guess, society as a whole. Um, I I work on uh, nuclear submarines, actually. And so I do some cool things at work. Like I was just out to sea for about uh, nine days on a submarine. Oh, nice. That's yeah. Sick. So yeah, I do testing and things like that. So that part of my job is also really cool. So... I have to, you know, it's, it's all it's all balance. You know, I, I'm yeah. not trying to be a full-time YouTuber or a full-time thru-hiker. I think for me, I find joy with that, the balance. Um, but so right now, I love my job. 
like I, I, I get a good paycheck, um, but I don't think I'm done with through hiking just yet. Oh no, so... no, we're gonna we're gonna get to that at the end of the episode. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. I get to that with everybody. <laughs> okay, so yeah, that's that's pretty much all my questions on the uh, the post trail adjustment thing. So we're kind of at the end of the episode now. So my wine's almost gone. So okay, perfect. That means perfect. it's almost over. I hope you have a little bit left, enough to get through a story or two, because at the end of every episode, I always ask my guests, I mean, the show is called Trail Tales, after all, to share a story or two from their hike. So, I know you've had some pretty crazy stuff go down on your through hike. If you had to pick, say, one or two stories to share with my audience today, what would they be? I think I'll just choose one, and I'll try to condense it, because it is a long story, but I think the most like monumental uh, part of my my tra- trail is uh, this week was in the desolation wilderness where I was getting stalked by a mountain lion. Ooh, yeah, that doesn't sound that doesn't sound good. No, at all. no, it was there was a lot going on. So like I said, um, I'll try to condense it. But basically, like I said, I'm from Reno, Nevada. So I went home to Reno for about a week when I got near. Uh, Lake Tahoe area, which is where the Desolation Wilderness is. When I got back on trail, I was obviously alone. I didn't see any through hikers for a couple days. So I hike a bit, like I said, back on trail, super excited. Uh, I camped next to one of the most beautiful lakes on trail. It's called Lake Aloha. Camped alone. It was amazing. Woke up just in the best mood, feeling like I'm back home on the trail, feeling really safe and secure and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, because I am alone, like I said, and, you know, sometimes camping alone in the woods is creepy. But oh, yeah. I was feeling good. Uh, later that night, actually, camped alone again because I hadn't seen anybody and had this beautiful view of Lake Tahoe, got my tent set up, getting ready to go to bed. It's dark outside. Anyway, in bed and the the woods go silent, like creepy silent. Mm. Like this isn't this <laughs> okay. isn't right. And now this is like halfway through my trip. So I'm pretty used to like the sounds of the yeah, woods. Yeah, yeah. And I sit up and I'm just listening. And um, I hear an animal walk around my tent. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why why are the woods silent? You know, but I'm just like, it could be a deer like, or a bear. Like I'm not going to get freaked out or anything. Not yet. Um, but I pitched my tent next to a dead log. And this this animal wound up jumping up onto the log, which was like a foot from my tent. And it was definitely a graceful four, four-legged animal. And I'm like, bears and deer don't do that. So I like froze and I just was sitting upright. And I started to cry actually, just like my eyes watering. And then all of a sudden the animal jumped off of the log and it was so heavy. Like I remember that sound, like it was graceful but heavy. And I was like, this is a mountain lion and I'm all alone. Oh, jeez. And so... I like start like kind of like crying and then I'm like slapping my tent and like clapping and yelling and then the the animal runs off. So this obviously only goes on for like two minutes and then a few minutes go by and then the the forest comes back to life. Um, Things start crawling down the tree again. Uh, I was just like, oh my gosh, I finally go to sleep, wake up and I'm like, wow, that was crazy. I can't believe that happened, but I was fine. Anyway, that night um, I'm... Now hiking, forgotten all about the mountain lion from the night before. Yeah, yep. And I actually am coming around a, a switchback, and then I actually see a mountain lion sleeping under a rock. Now, I don't oh, know if these wow. are the same ones, but 
anyway, I see it. I almost crap myself. Like I'm so scared. My first instinct is to turn around and start running, which you're not supposed to do. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I almost like I, I was so scared. That was my reaction. So I forced myself to stay put and I didn't move. And it was like lying on the ground and it just like looked at me and then uh, put its head back down. So I was like, oh my God. So I slowly walked past it and uh, kept hiking, but I was like booking up this climb. And I come across these group of women who are just doing like a weekend trip. Yeah. And I'm like scared. And I'm, look, can I please keep with you? I don't want to camp alone. I'm scared. And uh, they were like, yeah, of course. And we all got woken up that night, almost about 1 a.m. to that mountain lion screaming. Uh, it was in heat. And it sounds like a woman screaming for a bloody oh, murder. Man. Have you have you ever heard of a mountain lion in heat? No, I can't say okay. I have, honestly. All right. You after this, you're you should go to YouTube and Google it. It's terrifying. So I thought a woman was being attacked in our camp. Um so basically once we figured out that everyone was okay, we realized that it was the mountain lion close by basically attracting all other male mountain lions to come join the party and so i i like quit right there because i was terrified i was like i can't do this this is this is not okay yeah and so anyway the next day i got into Truckee, california my mom came and picked me up and i got off trail for um one night anyway i get back on trail and i grab some bear spray and i'm like you know what? i'm gonna keep going there's no way there's going to be another incident. Yeah, I mean, what are the odds of one happening, let alone two? <laughs> right. And at this point, I'm thinking there are two different outlines, and it still could have been. But two nights later on trail, I somehow wind up alone again. And it's dark by the time I'm setting a tent. So tent's up, and I get in my tent to go to sleep. And I'm not kidding. I don't know. It's like seconds later, an animal comes out of the bushes. And uh, I think it's a bear. I actually don't even think it's an mountain lion. I think the bear is trying to get to my food. Uh, so I put my headlamp on. I grab my knife. And I actually had a rock with me. So I get out um, expecting to just like throw this rock near the bear to kind of scare it. So I look and I look at my pack and because that's where my food is. And there's no animals. And so it's really dark. And so I'm just like slowly scanning the campground. And I do like a 90 degree turn really slowly. And then right in front of me is this mountain lion oh sitting, just geez. staring at me. Like it's just sitting there. Like it's been like, it's waiting for me to like feed it or pet it or something. Oh, and wow. I just froze because I can't get their big green eyes like out of my, my memory. It's just like these, it was so dark outside, but I could see the silhouette of the cat and then the eyes were just staring at me. And I was so scared and almost angry. I was actually really angry that this yeah. thing was like following me. And so I charged it, which I, I don't even know how I did that. But I just... That's, that's pretty ballsy. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I could... <laughs> oh, gosh. I didn't mean to. I was so angry. I was like, I was just so mad. And so I had my knife in this rock and I just start charging it. And I'm cussing at it and screaming at it to like leave me alone. And then um, it, it doesn't really care. It gets up and actually walks further away from me. But then it turns back around and looks at me. It actually, like, jumps over a log. And I kept trying to, like, rash. I was like, is this a deer? 
No, that's not a deer. No, that's a deer. Do deer do deer jump over logs like that? Like I was so scared I was trying yeah. to like justify the situation, but I knew. I was shaking. I was like going to vomit. I was so scared. And so basically, um, I remember passing like a hiker like a half a mile back. So I actually start walking towards the hiker. My 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 front is still towards the mountain lion, but I'm like slowly walking backwards. I was just like gonna go wake this guy up. His his name is Double D. Now I was I don't know what I was gonna do. Say like, hey, pack up your stuff, come camp with me in the mountain lion. Yeah. Like, I don't know what I was gonna do, but I, I was so like scared. I didn't want to be alone, you know. Yeah. And I started walking back, and I'll never forget this. I stopped about a quarter of a mile, and I looked up the sky, and there were so many stars, and I just somehow got this like burst of courage. And then I, I like power walked right back to my tent and I was like, screw this. Like, I'm not going to be scared off by this mountain lion. And the mountain lion was still in the woods, just watching my tent. And so I looked at it and I said, yo, I'm going to be over here sleeping. So, you know, good night, you know. And anyway, I got into my tent and um, I didn't sleep. I played music out loud on my phone all night and I swear, like, 99% positive that the mountain lion came and actually like was hanging out outside of my tent all night because I couldn't I can't see outside of my tent um because of the material but I kept hearing things like shifting and adjusting yeah like and it wasn't me like being you know like scared and crazy it was really like I'm 90% sure it was just hanging out outside of my tent oh man so, that's so crazy yeah, anyway, I, I got off uh, the next day. My mom met me again just because, you know, I'm from that area. So yeah. they could come up and see me often. And I had a total breakdown. I was absolutely terrified. Um, this, you know, I had actually f- overall four incidences with a mountain lion that whole week. So, um, yeah, I it was, that was my closest moment to quitting because I actually felt like it was stalking me. And, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, it was just curious about you. And I'm like, no, I, I had too many incidents with yeah, I feel a like, mountain lion. I feel like, I mean, I don't really know too much about mountain lions because we don't have them over here on the East Coast. But I, f- I feel like that's not really normal. Like, don't they usually just kind of run away like bears? Well, they're like really curious. And so actually it's becoming more common where they will like just walk across the trail and then keep going. And oh, people are like, okay. oh, that's awesome. But for me to have that many visits by a mountain lion because the next or it was two nights after that a mountain lion came to the tent site again but i was with other people and it's in the same area and so maybe they were following your youtube videos yeah they were so they're like i'm a fan just trying to get my (laughs) autograph so anyway that's not normal behavior mountain lions are known to track um if they're actually hunting like they say they'll track for like four to five days before they'll kill like a deer or something like that and so a lot of people were like, oh, don't worry. They don't kill humans. And it's like, uh, sometimes they do. But it's like, who knows what was going on in its brain? It was terrifying for me to be alone in the dark in the woods. I was yelling. No one heard me. I was alone. You know, it, it is it is a different situation when you're there. But thankfully, um, I didn't get attacked and everything yeah. was okay. And uh, yeah, that was probably my closest point to I actually quit many times you know in my mind I was like okay I'm done like I'm not I'm not doing this anymore this is not fun but then through some time away from trail and going back to my lists and like how good I would feel about myself if I finished I always 
got back on trail. Yeah. Well, that's that's so crazy. I've had most of my guests have been AT hikers, and I've definitely gotten a number of bear stories, like kind of sketchy yeah. bear stories. I had a buddy who got bluff charge and all that, but what is not that too mean? many mountain. Oh, bluff bluff bluff, bluff charge. charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah, I was that... being followed by a cub at one point. Oh, jeez. Which is like the worst because I was like, "Stop following me." Where's your mom? Oh, it man. was bad. That's so crazy. I feel so fortunate. Mom, if you're listening to this right now, you can just like take your headphones out for a second. But I feel like it's only a matter of time before I have like some sort of like animal encounter because I've yeah. I've honestly never had any sketchy encounter with any animal at all. And I, I just feel like a lot of like most people I talk to that do a through hike or a lot of hiking and backpacking have had some story, maybe not anything quite as crazy as that, but have had some sort of like negative interaction with a bear or something like that. So I don't know. I'm going to knock on wood on that one and hope I didn't just jinx it. Yeah. And don't forget about all the rattlesnakes, too. Oh, don't even get me started on rattlesnakes. There's plenty of those on the AT, too. Uh, my oh, listeners are? are probably sick of me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I talk, oh, okay. I talk about that all the time. I, I fucking hate snakes. Here in Vermont, we don't have any poisonous snakes, and I oh, was okay. not used to hiking around those things, so yeah. Oh, yeah. I almost stepped on a ton. That's yeah. like in all my videos, yeah. So it's, it's part of the fun though, right? Oh my God, yeah. The first time I ever saw a rattlesnake or heard a rattlesnake rattle is when I, I was literally, I'll, I'll make this quick because I've told the story before, but I was literally about 50 yards south of the Georgia-North Carolina border. So like the first state, I was like feeling good. I, I knew I was really close. And then, yep, I stepped right next to this freaking thing and it coiled up and rattled oh. at me for about 30 minutes. It was not pleased with me. Oh, yeah. And it's terrifying to walk past them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> it, usually I want to go around, but then I'm like, okay, if I go off trail, what if I, like, I can't see where I'm stepping. What if I step on another one? I don't know. It's, it's Yep, it's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. That's crazy. I had another mountain lion story. Yeah. I had another mountain lion story uh, two episodes ago, so maybe we're going to switch from the bear stories to the mountain lion story. So that's awesome. I think we're going to kind of wrap this up, Jennifer. Thank you so, so much for taking the time. Uh, two, two things real quick before we go. First of all, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this already follow you on social media and have seen your YouTube and stuff like that. But for those that haven't, where can they go to follow you? Yeah, of course. So on YouTube and Instagram, you can find me at the whimsical woman. Cool. That's about it. Yeah. Cool. And then my final question, we kind of touched on this a few minutes ago. Don't tell me that you did this PCT hike, you did this vlog, you had this great experience, and then you're just never going to through hike again. Now, oh, you don't you don't have to not. be <laughs> <laughs> You don't have to be too specific if you don't want to, but what does the future hold for you as far as hiking goes? So, for this year, I'm just planning to get in uh, smaller hikes um then next spring i think there might be another long distance hike in my future nice. but which one i don't know yet <laughs> well you got some time to decide that's right that's awesome don't hang up quite yet we're gonna go over just a couple things after we're done but for everybody listening thank you so so much jennifer thank you again enjoy for those of you listening, enjoy the rest of your drive or your work or your treadmill run or your laundry folding or your lawn mowing or your hiking. Jennifer, can you think of any other situations where somebody might listen to a podcast or where you listen to podcasts? Oh, gosh, no. I just listen to them when I'm through hiking. So, yeah. <laughs> See, that seems to be the common trend among my, 
among my guests. I wonder why, but no. I, I <laughs> Okay, cool. So, Weird, huh? Yeah. <laughs> go figure. Thank you so much for everybody listening. Have a good one.